What a wonderful morning of worship thus far. Were any of you here last Sunday? Raise your hand. Wow, I'm glad you came back. Thank you. That's good. That's wonderful. That's marvelous. What a wonderful experience it's been to to be here with you and to begin to to discover who you are. Uh, Let me remind you when you come by me, you all know my name and I appreciate it. Hey Gary, hey Gary. And I'm struggling, okay, just letting you know. But uh, so so remind me of your name and I know how important they are and I'm trying. Uh, Delighted to be here with you. I have family with me today. My wife is here. And she wants to come up and say a word or two, don't you, Lynette? Not really, I'm just saying. Not, not really, but raise your hand so they'll know where you are, please. There you are. And my daughter, Sandy, and granddaughters, uh, Shelby and Bailey, and my son-in-law, Jeremy, are here with us today. And we are excited that uh, our granddaughters are going to spend the week with us. So pray for them, okay? We're, we're going to see what we can do about that. We're excited. And I have some Flat Springers here today, and I'm grateful for them. They went to Flat Springs first. I'm just saying. That's good. And, uh, have you experienced the presence of God already? I have. That's what we've come to do. You know, I think every time we worship, we never come to hear the opinion of the preacher. There are enough opinions in this world and in our nation to sink a nation right now. We've come today to hear what God has to say. And we go to his word. And so as we focus and as I share some thoughts that I have prayerfully considered this week, it is my prayer that each of us will lean in and tune in to hear what God has to say. Because that mountaintop place of worship It's where we go back down to that valley. Thank you for that song. And then to bring others to the mountaintop. So today I hope we will encounter the living God in our worship. I want to begin by reading Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. And I would invite you to stand if you're able as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's holy word. One of my favorite passages. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Can you imagine this whole building being filled with his train? And above him stood the seraphim, heavenly creatures. Each had six wings like the four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called 
and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. How did he know that? For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar, the altar of God. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That's what we all want, isn't it? And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Pray with me. God, in this moment... May we be captured and captivated by your holiness. May we recognize its power over your created order in our lives. And may we experience the mountaintop that when we go to the valley, we will encourage others to join us next Sunday. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Any Atlanta Braves fans here in the house? Hey, we got, we're not, we were doing good the first part, but we're not doing so hot now, but we're going to get better. I, I believe that. Well, I believe it was in 2014 that I had the opportunity to go back to Turner Stadium. They're in Truett's Park now. But, um, and I had a memorable moment. Now, if you're a Braves fan, you know that at times during the game, there's, they, well, at least at Turner, they had a big organ, and it would play, and folks would clap their hands to the rhythm. Uh, and then there was a chant that they would do. I, uh, I was cut out to be a singer, but I got sewed up wrong. I told Scott that earlier. But, but they would do these chants or do that organ clap, and and everybody would be in it, and it, it seemed like we all kind of knew when it was going to stop, except for one guy. And I think he must have been a non-Baptist, because I believe he had indulged in some alcoholic beverages, I'm just telling you. And so, in, there we were, 40,000 of us in this stadium, and all doing the chant, or all doing the clapping, and every time, we'd all come to a stop, except for that one guy, and he just, he was doing a solo. And then he would holler at the top of his lungs, what happened? Where'd y'all go? What happened? Well, today, that's my cry. What happened to holy? Is holy just a mere thought of Days gone by? In this great throne room theophany where God appears to Isaiah. We, we love it because of its missionary zeal. 
Here I am, send me. I love that. But today I want our focus to be on those three words, the same word three times. Holy. 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 Now the definition of holy that I like, there are many, says this, the exalted or worthy of uh, worthiness of complete devotion. Word complete. You remember complete like all there is, right? Complete. As one perfect, perfect, not near perfect, perfect in goodness and righteousness. You see, the first thing I want us to understand is holiness is the standard of God. Holiness is God's standard. If there's one thing that we struggle with in our nation today is that we want there to be many, many standards. We want everybody to have their own standard. We want to speak our own truth. We, we want to, whatever feels good to us, we want that to be a new way and it be just like every other way. I want to tell you there is a standard and it is God. There is a standard and it is God. The way we know right from wrong is because God in His perfect holiness has determined what is right and what is wrong. And you and I don't really get a vote. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. I love the story about the little boy who was about, in our measurement, three foot nothing, okay? Little guy, just about seven or eight years old, but he had learned to count and add and he came running in one day to his mom, and he said, Mom, I'm nine feet tall. She said, what? She said, yeah, I am nine feet tall. I just measured myself, and I'm nine feet tall. She said, honey, how did you measure yourself? She says, well, I got to thinking about it, and so I grabbed one of my shoes. You know, they go on my feet. Are you with me? Okay, don't get lost here, okay. And so I took my shoe and just came up my leg, and there were nine of them till it got, and since they're my feet, I'm nine feet tall. I kind of think that's how we're doing it today. I'm grateful there's a standard. I'm grateful that a gas station can't decide that a pint of gas is the same as a gallon of gas. I'd like to talk to them about what they're charging for a gallon of gas, but that's another story for another time. I want us to understand that standards are important. And church, I want us to understand that the standards that God has laid out in His Word are the standards by which you and I must measure our life. That's so important. The standard became clear to, to Isaiah when King Uzziah died. I think there's a real truth of Uzziah in this moment that we might not know. Maybe you remember, he, at this point he has served uh, as king for, for uh, 40 years. And in this time, he was the king of Judah. He modernized the army. He conquered the ter territory of Philistia. He expanded commerce. He reconstructed the, car the, the copper and iron works. And he advanced agricultural industry in the area that, that it was a prosperous time. 
And isn't it amazing that the more God blesses us, the more we lose sight of his holiness. You see, it's so easy. It's easy to focus on temporary things. The prophet needed a change of focus. Church, I wonder if we today might do well to change our focus just a little bit. You see, he was focused on the wrong king. He was focused on Uzziah, not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of our conversations are more about our political climate than our spiritual condition? Focus is absolutely the key, and it's easy to become distracted, isn't it? I, I love the story about two men who were walking one day, and the first complained to his friend. He said, you just you can't focus on anything. You, you just become distracted you, you can't put your mind on one thing for five minutes. He said, the other guy said, yeah, I can. I absolutely can. I can focus. I can focus for 10 minutes, an hour. I can do it. The guy looked at him and said, I bet you a banana split. You can't walk for five minutes focusing fully on God in prayer. Nothing else. The second guy said, I'll take that bet. One minute later, he said, does that come with two cherries or three? You get it? Isn't that like us? I know it's like me. We're going to get focused. We're going to get committed. We want our church to be the best church. We want our walk with God to be the best walk with God. But there's all those things distractions secondly today it's holiness that saves us from our sin it says that when Isaiah saw the Lord he recognized immediately his condition I've got to ask us do we understand our condition today before God I love a song of my youth from the 60s, and I only remember this line out of the whole song. It said, I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. That ought to be church every Sunday. That ought to be church every Sunday. We ought to walk into this holy place and say, Lord, I've come today to see the condition of my condition. To see how my walk with you and my service to you and my, my love for you, how it's doing. Isaiah, when he walked into the presence of God, he recognized his condition. Woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. What a, what a confession. What confession do we need to make today? You see, when we see God, really see God, it changes everything in us and about us. Sin still separates us from the holiness of God. I want us to hear that again. Sin still separates us 
from the holiness of God. God in His purity, in His holiness, He will not allow sin to come into His presence. You and I are told in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none that doeth good. No, not one. How do we come into His presence? By the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. That's why we gather here Sunday after Sunday to check our condition and to give thanks for our Savior who gave us life. Do we recognize our real condition? I, I heard a story about a fellow who bought a, a beautiful skunk coat. Did y'all know there is a such thing as a skunk coat? Google it. Go, go home and Google it. Used to be anyway. And when she got that, and I, they, I mean, they were like high-dollar things. I'm just saying, okay? Uh, his wife has claimed, I don't understand how such a nice coat could come from such a foul-smelling beast. To which her husband replied, well, you ain't got to call me names. See, he didn't, he didn't quite get it. But, you know, I thought about that for a moment. You know, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, <laughs> you may have never heard what I'm about to say. And probably will never hear it again. But listen to it one time. We become skunks who no longer stink. You're welcome. Okay, I've just called you a skunk now. You're welcome. But that's who we are. We're transformed. We're changed. We're made into something beyond our nature. We're given a new life. Isaiah, as he began his book in chapter 1, verse 18, said, Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Let me remind us of a truth and why the church gathers every Sunday to come and be in this place. Why we give all that we give, do all that we do to come here Sunday after Sunday. I believe this is holy ground. I believe this is a holy moment every week in the life of our church and the life of our community you remember when moses was tending sheep and for his father jethro and he uh he saw a bush off in the distance and it was burning but it wasn't being consumed and he said i'd go see i need to go see that and he went and you remember what what they told him what what the the, the lord said to him as he got to that place Take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. I don't know that Moses hadn't walked through there and led sheep through there. Maybe the day before, maybe earlier that morning, I don't know. But because God was there, it was a holy moment. And that became holy ground. I want to suggest today, if we'll open our heart to God Almighty right now, we're in a holy place, you and I. We're in a holy moment right now. And God can do today what only God can do. I think of this altar here. My guess is some of you walked down this very altar and maybe took Cal or Mark or another pastor by the hand. And you committed your life to Jesus Christ. And you said, I want to be baptized. And I want to join the church. 
And that pastor may have said something to you like, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you want to make him the Lord of your life? And you said, yes, I do. And if not, this altar may be another one like it. We made those choices. But old friends, if we go back and live our life just like it was before we made that decision, did we miss holy? This is an altar where we come and, and, and couples come and, and take vows. Nick and Heather are going to be here on November the 11th. And they're going to commit their lives to each other as husband and wife. And some of you have done that in this very church. And, and you've made that same commitment. But when I read the statistics, they tell us in the church the divorce rate among believers is about the same as it is in some places even higher. Don't miss this holy moment. Parents, when you come and stand at this altar and you bring your children when they've just been born and the pastor takes them and, and we goo and gob out how wonderful they are. And then you're asked, do you promise to bring this child up and give it every opportunity to know Christ as Lord and Savior, to train up a child in the way that he or she should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from him. And then now that the culture has decided Sunday's a good day to play ball or to, to do cheerleading or to do whatever in life we want to do, do we always neglect the holy for the secular? Or oh, whatever happened to holy? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Oh, friends, we can't lose holy. Finally, this morning, because this holiness that comes before us is God's standard and because it saves us, then it sends us out to say. And that's what I want us to understand because as the song was just sung a moment ago, when we leave this place, we go to the valley. And I believe the valley is getting darker every day. They need the light of the Lord. You see, when Isaiah recognized God is holy, and he recognized his condition, and God touched him, and did you hear what, what the seraphim said? Your sins are atoned for. We know that's what Christ did for us on the cross. He atoned for our sins. You know, it's only this word, and it's used twice in Scripture. It's used three times. Holy, holy, holy. Here and in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Both times, it is heavenly beings that use it. The seraphim in Isaiah 6 and the four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4. But we don't ever say God is love, 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 or at least the Scriptures don't. Or God is mercy, mercy, mercy. The scriptures never say God is justice, justice, justice. Only holy, holy, holy. This characteristic, this foundation belief. I began to look at our hymn book just a moment ago. For years and years, the first hymn in every hymn book that I knew about was always holy, holy, holy. And it's not in this one. But the first three songs are about holy and the holiness of God. 
So I think we understand, even in our singing, that we start with God's holiness. I want us to understand that why do you think the seraphim and the four living creatures would say, holy, holy, holy? Why three times? There's a great truth there that's easily missed. Do you know what the role of the seraphim and the four living creatures are? To lead eternal worship. To lead worship for eternity. And, and in this glimpse that we get in Revelation and in Isaiah of the, of the heavenly place, they are worshiping. Holy is why we worship. You didn't come to hear a preacher or even to hear music. You came, if you came for the right motive, to hear God, to see God. To praise God. To know that God is your all in all. Revelation 12 says this. I appeal to you therefore brothers. By the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship. Listen to what verse 2 says. Don't be conformed to this world. Oh church. Let me read that again. Isn't that our challenge? Isn't that our temptation? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may by testing discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Oh, when our worship is right, it makes a difference. When we worship well, we go back down to the valley well. When we don't worship well, we go back down to the valley and act more like the folks of the valley. There's a great story I heard years and years ago. It was a, a church that was very formal in its worship and, and very traditional in its worship. And it was Easter Sunday. And the large sanctuary was full to capacity. And everyone had on their Easter best. Y'all remember Easter best? I remember getting new clothes every Easter. And, you know, when I was five or six, I didn't think that was a great thing. But anyway, the church is full. And then suddenly, a guy shows up. He's got on a T-shirt it hasn't been washed in a while. He's got a pair of cut-off jeans on and a sandal on one foot and a flip-flop on the other. And he walks into the worship center. He comes in at the back, and he's looking for a seat. And there are no seats. And so he starts walking down the aisle looking right and left, right and left, for a place to sit. And there's no place to sit. And the church is now focused on this fella who looks a little out of place. And he comes all the way down, and finally, get, and the front row is, is full. <laughs> and so he plops down, Indian style, right in front of the altar. 
Well, this church has a 90-plus-year-old patriarch who has a cane with a metal tip. You know those canes. And suddenly, from the back of the church, they hear the cane. Tap, tap, tap. And he is on his way to the front of the church. And folks are saying, this is Easter Sunday. This is not going to go well. And down he comes as fast as his 93-year-old feet will bring him. And when he gets to the young man sitting Indian style in front of the altar, this 93-year-old gentleman makes his way to the floor and is heard saying, no one should sit alone on Easter Sunday. The pastor in that story said, what I'm about to say, you won't remember. But what you just see here, you'll never forget. When we recognize God is holy, it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, or what we're about. When we recognize Him as holy, it changes us. It changes us. So I've got to ask us as we're closing. Have you encountered the holy God this morning? It's not too late. What prayer of confession do you need to pray right now before we close? We're about to open this holy ground and invite you to come and see a a bush that burns but won't be consumed. We're about to say today, we can come to the mountaintop and prepare ourselves to go to the valley. Are you ready to live like we're holy? That characteristic of God, holy, holy, holy. Friends, if we'll encounter him, this will be a different week. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, I am grateful for your presence in this place right now. And I just believe, Lord, there's someone, there's someone right now who they are speaking to you and you're speaking to them. Oh God, give us ears to hear and understand exactly what you're saying to us in this moment. In just a moment, we're going to open this altar. And we're going to invite whoever needs to come to come. We're going to invite everyone to at least make the pew where they are an altar. And to say to you, oh God, these are some things in my life, God, that your holiness has shown a light on today and I want to do different. But Lord, I just trust you to move and I trust your church to respond as you guide us in this holy moment. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. We're going to sing, oh, praise the name. I don't know what God is saying, but I feel his spirit in this place. My prayer, my hope, is that each of us, before we leave, will say to the holy God, here I am. Here I am as we stand together.